Welcome to Advantage Over, the podcast for the rugby referee community, or simply those in rugby who want to know more about refereeing. Are you ready? Time on. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Advantage Over podcast, the only podcast for the rugby refereeing community all over the globe. Um, You're very welcome to join us. My name is Keith Lewis and I'm your host of this podcast. We hope you enjoyed uh, the last episode we put out two weeks ago where we focused on referee fitness with uh, the London Society of Referees Fitness Advisor Ross Hambury. If you uh, haven't been back and listened to that, then please do go back and listen to that. Some really good advice for people either just getting into pre-season or starting to think about next season if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so this episode, we have a really interesting conversation with Scott McLean from the Wellington Rugby Referees Association down in New Zealand, where they've been trialling a new system dealing with concussion, um, where they're showing a blue card to deal with the issue there um, so we'll cover that in a little bit um, but before then let's have a look and see what's been going on around the refereeing news circuit since the last episode so um, a couple of weeks ago um, Greg Garner the new head of uh, elite referees at the Pro 12 uh, the Pro 14 must stop making that mistake um, announced the panel that they would be using through the course of this season um, they've retained the 11 referees that they were using under the old Pro 12 system. So those 11 referees are Frank Murphy of Ireland, Sean Gallagher of Ireland, Mike Adamson from Scotland, David Wilkinson of Ireland, Ben Whitehouse of Wales, Nigel Owens from Wales, Marius Matrea from Italy, John Lacey and George Clancy, both of Ireland, Ian Davis from Wales and Andrew Brace from Ireland. Um, and this year, um, Greg Garner has added two South Africans to the panel, um, Stuart Berry, um, who makes his debut tomorrow night, if you're listening to this in real time, um, in the Edinburgh Dragons game, um, and also by Quentin Immelman, who made his debut in the competition um, just over 10 days ago um, when he refereed the Ospreys against Zebra. So that 13-man panel, 10 internationals between them, um, and they're really going to start to think, I think, up the professional stakes in the Pro 12 system so it's really good to see that and it'll be very interesting to see how those referees are used um, across all the games. Obviously there's a travel issue um, between the bulk of the games happening outside of South Africa but I think the air miles will be rocketed up there and it'll be interesting to see how the different styles of refereeing and, and all that goes on but um, a big job for Greg um, there. I know he's already been out there to meet with Mark Lawrence and the head of um, high performance referees out in South Africa just to discuss how that's going to happen to try and get a consistent approach and implementation of the global law trials um, across the, across that particular competition and um, where you've got such different styles there so that will be certainly one to follow so um, those 13 referees have been announced and so keep your eye on those um, new faces potentially um, wherever you might be watching Pro 14 Rugby around the world. Um, we're going to look um, change tack going a little bit further on it's this weekend uh, sees after a break the return of round two of the rugby championship um, competition we have um, after two weeks of um, European referees in charge we now move to the southern hemisphere round so it's New Zealand Argentina on Saturday evening um, in New Plymouth um, and Gus Gardner takes the whistle in that one um, after a couple of weeks off from international duty obviously a very busy summer with Lions duties um, he'll be assisted by uh, Nigel Owens and Matt Carley and then George Ayub in the truck. Um, and then on the other side of the Tasman in Australia, um, Glenn Jackson looks after that game against South Africa with uh, John Lacey and Paul Williams of New Zealand making, I think, his um, debut 
in the rugby championship um, and Ben Skeen is in the truck for that so um, for those keeping an eye on the, the rugby championship it'll be um, good to see that one back in flow sticking to um, southern hemisphere news there's some really really um, sad footage that's been shown on, on, on the web over the last couple of days um, after a terrible incident last weekend when a 19 year old referee Nick Gall was actually assaulted by a player who he was just about to show a red card to um, in an under 19 game in Australia um, fortunately he wasn't injured um, obviously it shook him up a little bit but he was able to complete the game um, but the rugby community has really ra- rallied round there um, the judicial system has already kicked in from a playing perspective um, and the player has already been uh, found guilty of the offence and, and banned from rugby for 10 years so a real statement of support there for both the referee but also against that sort of behaviour um, we've got to be a little bit careful because there's also a judicial process at place so obviously that the the player was later arrested by the Australian police system so we, we've got to leave that one there but a terrible incident it is um, now being shown it is widely available so you can see that incident um, but all credit to the young man um, to Nick Gar. he's um, one of the great prospects in Australian rugby um, first referee at that age group to, to get first grade rugby in his area um, so well done to him we're, we're certainly hoping that he's going to stick with it from all the reports that are coming out um, hasn't been particularly badly affected by it um, we hope he's back on the field sooner than later um, so um, a very so- sorry event um, and all referees hopefully will um, never have to go through that position but really a statement of intent of support for the referee and to out really outlaw this sort of behavior and and crack down on it so he got 10 years for the um, referee assault um obviously that he was about to be red carded and just for um uh, clarity there he also got a 10 match ban for the elbow um to the player that he was going to be sent off for um by all intents and purposes the player really has shown an awful lot of remorse um wrote a a three-page letter and read that at the judicial the rugby judicial hearing during the week um, and by all intents and purposes was about to be uh, recognised as one of the fair players in the tournament that they were playing in so hopefully he will learn from that um, and all everyone around there will, will, will move on um, so um, on the website this week at rugbyreferee.net um, we had a law question in um, I've had a couple of questions in off the back of the podcast um, and the question that I'd had in during the week was about jumping into a tackler from um, one of our readers in Ireland a new referee and um, was revisiting the Lions test match the second test where if you remember at the end of the game Kyle, uh, Kyle Sinclair jumped to collect quite a poor pass um, and was tackled before he landed on on the ground and there was a question about can the play the question from our reader and from the listener was can a player a ball carrier jump into a tackle so there are two things at play here so let's answer the first question first and it is explained in full um, on the rugbyrefree.net website so you can have a look at everything and some clips to back it up so no a player can't jump into a tackle if you think about the action they're going to do feet come off the ground knees come off the ground um, and clearly that's going to impact somebody who's going to make a tackle so in theory head down in a a tackling position those contact points are not uh, welcome and are clearly dangerous action no they can't do that Um, and there's two really good there's a clip there that I found from Shane Williams doing exactly that trying to hurdle Topsy Ojo from a, a, a game 
I think uh, Ospreys against London Irish about six years ago. So it's quite an old clip, but it does show the difference between a player jumping into a tackle wasn't penalised but it should have been and, and we should referee that as a, a dangerous play in our, in our view um, against the incident in question if you, that's again it's on the clip on the website but Kyle Sinclair actually jumps to collect a poor pass the pass was too high for him he has to jump to collect the ball and he's then tackled so two very different pitches um, and if you've heard any training if you've been involved in any referee training or been to any training presentation refereeing is a lot about understanding pitches in front of you Hopefully, if you look at the two clips that we've packaged together for you, the pitches are very different. One shows a player jumping into a tackle. The other shows a player jumping to collect the ball and then being tackled into the air. Um, so there's a there's a good clip there. There's an explanation and our view to our to our reader. Um, if you have questions like that that you want some answer to or some help with or some clarity um, or you're not sure about how you would do something if it came across um, your pitch as you're refereeing, then let us know. We're here to help. Um, we want to, to help you to referee better, to understand the game, particularly if you're new. If there's things that you want clarity on, then ask us. Let us know. Um, the best way to do that is to either go to the rugbyreferee.net website and find any of our contact forms on there um, or you can drop us an email um, through this podcast to ref at advantageoverpodcast.com and we'll let you know if you want to ask that question send us an audio file if you're asking that question that would be great because then it's not just my voice um, voicing your question and then answering it and we can hear from you and then I can answer it so if you want to do a, a very short clip and send it to us by email we'll get you on the airway and we'll, airways and we'll answer your question as well um, so this is where we start to link two things together so the last piece of news that we wanted to bring you is actually about um, a concussion trial in Australian rugby um, so from next season in 2018 um, Australian rugby are bringing in a trial to the National Rugby Championship and the University Sevens um, involving a blue card where referees will be given a blue card to use to players they suspect have had a head injury um, incident in a game and that needs to be dealt with. Um, in this particular trial in Australia, which has already been trialled in the Newcastle area and in Sydney, um, the blue card will effectively kickstart a head injury protocol, a um, head injury assessment process, protocol, where the player will have to go and get some pitch side tests from trained medics um, there, and then judged whether they can then return to that game. So that's the rule that they're going to be trialling in Australia. Um, it's a very similar process to the professional game that we see both in um, in England and the Pro 14 and at international level, where the HIA process is there. The signal for that is just a, the referee taps his head um, and then that starts the what is now the 10-minute process, a mandatory process for a HIA. In the Australian trial that they're going to be testing from next year, it's the National Rugby Championship at the moment down there, so this is for next year's competition in 2018, the referee will show a blue card which will then start a process. So that's the, the news for Australia. Um, but this is where we link across to our interview for the rest of this show. So in New Zealand, across the other side of the Tasman, they've been trialling a blue card system, which is a different process, a different outcome, um, but still is all around concussion and player welfare. Um, so we'll transition across to that interview with Scott in a moment. 
hope you find that interesting and if it helps to understand what we're talking about and why we're talking about it and how you deal with it um, then we hope that's of value to you probably should just make clear there are different protocols in different parts of the world and different competitions so where you're refereeing a firstly understand what concussion is but then understand what processes and systems you have in your union in your league that you're refereeing um, this weekend to understand what protocols may or may not be in place fundamentally the law book still gives us as referees the power to remove a player from the field that we believe is injured whether that's concussion or or other capacity obviously that's a big call for a referee that stays no matter what level of rugby you're involved in at different levels different competitions there are obviously different protocols and trials in play so please just understand your world that you're refereeing you go out onto the field on saturday understand what protocols and systems are in place that you need to follow Um, so with that um, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast again if you've got stories or news you want us to cover or any feedback uh, we'd love to hear it from you Um, please drop us a line at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com and we'd love to get some reviews and comments on this wherever you found this podcast whether it's on itunes or stitcher Um, one reader asked us to get it onto acast if you're listening on acast we've got it there um, and that's great if it's more for android devices um, but if you're listening to podcasts and you found it through the website and you want it to be on your platform just drop us a line and we'll get it added on it's a relatively straightforward process for podcast owners and i'm more than happy that i want it to be easy for you to listen and download to this podcast so thanks for joining us we're going to transition over to our interview with scott Okay, so something we've touched on briefly in recent episodes is about particularly player welfare and the uh, issue of concussion that's around our game. Um, Well, in some parts of New Zealand, referees not only take a whistle, scorecard, red and yellow card onto the field, they're also now taking a blue card. So let's have a chat with Scott McLean from uh, the Wellington Rugby Referees Association to explain a little bit about what this blue card is and how it's helping the game down there. So Scott, welcome to the Advantage Over podcast. Um, Firstly, can you just explain a little bit about your role down there? Yeah, hi Keith. It's a it's a pleasure to be here actually, and um, it's amazing through the medium of Twitter that someone on the other side of the world can get involved in something like this. So that's uh, it's pretty good. Um, I'm an active referee in Wellington. I'm in my tenth season refereeing. Um, I actually started out with Taranaki and moved south over uh, <laughs> for a couple of years to to make the full move, but I'm I'm here now. Um, so yeah, active referee. I'm in our um, what some people call our B panel. So I look at I referee um at uh, under 21 club uh, premier reserve college first 15 levels um and also part of the appointments panel down here so uh, so it takes up a fair chunk of my time great stuff well thank, thanks for being with us so let's just let's go back to basics so so why are we talking about concussion is it a major issue in, in the game obviously it is a contact sport is there something that's driven this conversation specifically across new zealand i guess we all know that concussion and player welfare, and especially, you know, has has become a little bit of a forefront of an issue. Those, um, what we've seen out of the NFL, you know, the, the effect of multiple concussions, mm. um, and and things of that help. Sort of, actually, what are the long term effects? The concern in New Zealand was that there was no prostate. Yes, there was a twenty one or twenty three day stand down, but it never actually addressed the problem of had the players' symptoms cleared. And you've got to look at the list of players, even the professional level, who have just 
never made it back to the rugby field after suffering concussion. James Broadhurst, who played for the Hurricanes, played one test match for the All Blacks, had mm. to give it away earlier this year because he'd simply get to a level in his fitness or in his fitness work and his symptoms would return. He just could never get past it, so he's retired. And so we never knew, we didn't know what was happening at the amateur level. So um, one particular provincial union, Northland, way up in the far north, um, they had some issues around players who were saying, I've had the 21 days, I'm fine, I'm going back out there, but there was no clearance. And a couple of ins- they had a couple of serious instances up there where um, one player suffered a repeat, concu- a repeat concussion while he was basically still concussed from the first time. Mm. Um, another player suffered um, a head injury that wasn't the sole cause but did contribute to their eventual death. So... Yeah, there were there were some there were some um, eyes wide open moments really. And you've just mentioned a couple of times those sort of stand down periods. How were they within the game? Obviously, not refereeing matter, but within the game, how are those? Who came up with fourteen days, and how is that? How is that sort of administered by grassroots rugby? Um, I don't actually know where that came from. It's I guess that's been a, a medical mm. um, intervention, and, and as we've got a little bit more knowledge about concussions and as particularly as it's become such a, a major issue in rugby that you know, there's, there's that little bit of that element of actually, is this the right way to go about it? And so one of the other parts of the blue card protocol actually addresses, look, can we actually make sure that we've actually got players, yes, they have it, that they have actually been concussed and then actually making sure that they're not returning until they're actually cleared. So that's all part of the entire blue card protocol. Okay, so, so we've got this blue card that we're now talking about. How did that come about? Um, and how does it actually work practically from a refereeing perspective? Um, so as I touched on Northland, so um, went to New Zealand Rugby and basically said, look, we've got, and, and, the, and those problems that I talked about before, and said, look, what we want to do is we actually want to introduce a process whereby it's really clear that the referee has told, has, has made a decision that they believe the players can cast. There's a way that they can actually signal that and then there is a return-to-play process that's not just simply a block of 21 days. Mm. Uh, so they, they uh, I think it was 2014 and 2015, they ran it up there. Um, they were the only union that was doing it. It was very much a trial. Um, there was another, sort of in that time, there was another high-profile incident um, that took place in a game that wasn't a um, covered by the blue card process. Um, actually involving the uh, the son of a member of parliament who simply just wanted to get back and, and play. Mm-hmm. Um, in Wellington, we were asked to trial it last season, so the 2016 year. We did so in our um, top two adult grades, um, so Premier and Premier Reserve, and also our top first 15 level. So, so how does so referees are given a blue card. How does it actually work on the pitch? So as, as a referee... And as the game is going on, we have someone who takes a collision. Um, appears. What, what's the what's the process that happens? Who gets involved, um, and what happens next? Okay, so the first thing I'll touch on here is is just around the law. So, in in rugby, there's a there's a law that says that look, a, player, a referee has the power to remove a player from the game if they believe they're injured. Yeah, and that's uh, always that's always Zealand, been there, hasn't it? So that that's not yeah, something new. Always, that's not always, what's come out recently. It's always been there. 
Yeah, that's always been there. In New Zealand, we also have a supplementary set of laws, which are our domestic safety law variations, um, BSLVs as we call them. So in that is written, and they apply at various levels of rugby. So we actually have some that apply to all levels of domestic rugby in New Zealand, up to and including the Moto 10 Cup, our, our top national provincial competition. Yeah. Um, some apply to only age grades. Some apply to different things like that. In that is actually written a law that says the referee has the has the power to remove a player from the game if they believe they've suffered a concussion. So it's actually, and that's been there for a while, what the blue card does is basically said, to, said look, here's a way you can show it and then it start, kicks off an entire process. So if in a game that I believe I've got a player who's taken a head knock, um, then obviously I'll stop play. I have a chat, you know, I'll have a chat with them and I'll go through those, those Maddox, what they call the Maddox questions. So where are you, you know, where are you playing today? Who scored last? Um, what was your result last week? Which is always a tricky one because <laughs> did they play last week and do I even know what yeah. it is? Um, so there's a whole suite of questions that we've sort of been given to sort of ask a player um, and, and, term, and see how they are in terms of their response. And if they might tell us, look, actually I've got a headache, you know, we'll ask this other thing, you know, do you have a headache? Do they, does the does their look look glazed? Those sort of things, and make it and make a decision around. Look, do I actually think this player is right to play to carry on, or is it actually better in his interests or her interests that I actually remove them from play? If I take that step, then I will show. I'll pull the blue card out of my pocket, and I'll show that, and then that kicks off a post match process um, that involves. Um, a bit of paperwork from me to complete a blue card report, which goes to our union. Um, it also then requires the player within the first, you know, 20, within that sort of first 72-hour period, goes and gets himself checked out by a doctor right. and brings that information back to their club. Um, and then, so what happens then is that then the player is not cleared to play until they've gone back to a doctor, and this might be, Two weeks, it might be four weeks, it might be six weeks until that until they have a medical professional actually clears them and says you're okay to return to 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 return to play. So that also means that they shouldn't be involved in any contact sessions or training and all those sort of things. So yeah, that's at a, at a really high level what the process entails. Uh, and is there any um, active involvement on match day from any medic? Is there any requirement in New Zealand, in Wellington, for a medic to be present? So for those listeners um, in England, Wales, Scotland, and perhaps uh, up in the Northern Hemisphere, most of us involved in grassroots rugby, there is, even at the low levels, there is still a requirement for first aid to be present um, in some way, shape, or form, or a medic or a physio or whatever it might be. Each side should should bring somebody with them, which sort of rem- takes that conversation that you just described as you as the referee having with the player for the medically trained professional on the pitch all the time. Does that happen with you? Um, so we, basically most clubs here will have a person who's a, a physio yeah. um, with them. So there's always that thing around, you know, what's their, I mean, obviously I've got a little bit more medical training than I have. In Wellington, we've got we've got one person who is probably medically qualified to, as a referee to make that distinction. That's Dr. Ben O'Keefe, um, yeah. who, you know, people will know as a professional referee at the highest level mm-hmm. um, when he's around here. So he, 
Yeah, I mean, teams will have a medic. There are some clubs that have a somebody who is qualified in that extent, um, but the rule's fairly blanket. You know, just because one particular club has a guy who, actually in Wellington we do, we have one guy who did his entire um, nursing thesis on concussions in right. rugby. He's, and he's still involved, he still travels with that team. But you know, the blanket rule is, look, we don't have the resources. We don't force that on, on the clubs to have somebody who is um, a doctor. Um, not even in our Heartland Championship, which is the second tier of um, our provincial rugby, is, does, is there the requirement that there is a match doctor? Yeah. Um, so it's only at that at that very top level. Um, so, yeah, so the, what's the best way to put this? Basically, it's a blanket rule that because it can't be, um, that re- that sort of requirement can't be serviced, can't be made, that we take the next step down, which is actually, look, let's put it in the hands of, of the referee and team management and all those things that normally are, that you normally have at grassroots level. Make a decision that errs on the side of caution um, and then let it be worked out post-match. So, so, so can a, a coach um, who's there watching his side, if he picks up, or she, or she picks up um, one of their players has taken a knock and doesn't feel right and of course they're seeing them week in week out so they might have a better feel for what looks right and I'm using air quotes here which is great for audio um, but they might have a better feel for whether that player is suffering a concussion than you who doesn't know anything about that particular player um, you may not have Absolutely. seen the incident do the, do the coaches have any responsibility to start this concussion process as well um, or instead of the referee um, yeah, they can absolutely can. I've had, um, I think, the very first blue card I ever issued was actually the coach coming to me, manager coming to me at half time and saying, "This guy, he he got up, he looked he looked fine, he carried on, and sort of at half time, sort of fifteen minutes later, he didn't start feeling well." Um, I'd I'd seen what had actually transpired in the run of play. He'd sort of got he sort of tackled and got landed on and that, and he said, he, apparently he said to his manager, "Look, I just don't feel right." And the manager came to me and said, we're going to take this guy off. Um, he's not feeling well. He thinks he's taking a bit of a hit. And I said, well, should we put it through the protocol? And he said, absolutely. Okay. So here I am before the start of the second half showing a player a blue card. Okay, so, so you just mentioned protocol. So let's just bring that in. Um, in the last few weeks, we've talked about the, the new global law trial. That, um, sorry, not law trial. This is the the change from world rugby who've changed the formal um, HIA, the um, head injury assessment program, where those protocols exist. Is this a, a HIA process? So, if can the player be checked on the side and return to play at this level, or is this an entirely different no. process? No, this is an entirely different process. We, like I said, we don't have the resources in somebody who's medically qualified. Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of instances where, particularly, um, some of the better resourced school sides have decided that they think that they could, the HIA process can apply to them because they do have yeah. somebody who's medically trained. Again, it's. it's a blanket decision made by the union that there is there is no HIA process um, at this at, at this level. It's just again, it's, like I said, it's just a resourcing issue. And, and there'll be some people listening who think this is putting an awful lot of pressure 
on, on, on us as match officials, as, as volunteers who want to give something back to our game, um, to make what is effectively a big call to suspect someone's had concussion and to effectively take them out of rugby for the next three weeks. For somebody who's not medically trained, who's not, I've got no experience as a medic, um, and I've been in the game for long enough. I would much rather somebody else made that call. Do, do, do you feel that referees are being putting the uh, as unqualified officials? Are we now the sole judge of concussion, and is that putting too much pressure on referees when it should be a game-wide drill? So. I don't know what you guys have up there. In New Zealand, we have a, a really comprehensive program called Rugby Smart, which is run by um, <coughs> it's a it's a joint venture thing between uh, New Zealand Rugby, uh, the Rugby Foundation, who are a not-for-profit entity that looks after or supports players who have suffered serious injuries, mostly spinal ones, mm-hmm. um, but are heavily involved in in some of those other aspects of the game and ACC, Accident Compensation Corporation, which is the government's no-fault injury um, cover scheme. And so they have an, ACC has a natural um, interest in trying to reduce the number of injuries because obviously then they're paying out money towards um, players' re- re- um, rehabilitation and recovery and that. So it's a really comprehensive program. So we as referees have to go through that every year as part of our annual qualification all coaches and managers um, also have to go through it. Um, so it's it's about the, the wider education thing. So this is a – the blue card um, is a directive from New Zealand Rugby. Mm-hmm. It's about and, – and basically it's expected that the, the rugby community supports it. In terms of our involvement, yeah, we've got pretty good buy-in from coaches and managers that we are trying to do the right thing here. Um, mm-hmm. None of us – you know, there's very few of us that would be qualified to sit there and say this player has absolutely suffered a concussion, um, unless it's the you know the clearly obvious that the player is, is completely unconscious or it's very groggy. Yeah. And even then, <laughs> we still. But you know, it's if the player is so, showing some of those symptoms, they're not answering. You know, they've got their their eyes are glazed. There's just a thousand yard stare happening. Um, they're not answering the medics' questions. So. You know, those are sort of the indicators that we've been told to, to use mm-hmm. um, and go for, and go from there and basically make that decision. If you believe the player has suffered a concussion, remove them from the play, remove them from the possibility of suffering, you know, potentially suffering a second one mm-hmm. in the same game. You know, and, and, and as we know, those things can be extremely debilitating or, um, as I think if, if listeners go look up the story of a Canadian schoolgirl player called Rowan Stringer, um, even fatal. Yep, absolutely. So, so that's 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 the ultimate thing that we. You know, nobody wants to see a have a story of a, of a player who's actually um, died playing the game. Um, so we, you know, there's that there's that whole. We're on the side of caution. Remove the player from play. Remove them from the possibility of doing further damage to themselves. Um, and you know, let events take their course afterwards. What also helps with that is, as referees, is actually using the blue card just for that purpose, yeah. which it's designed, not using it as a mechanism to get rid of that pesky halfback who won't shut up. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's really important because I think if, if we start abusing the privileges that the blue card process gives us, yeah then we instantly lose a lot of credibility around it. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's great to hear this. Is a, this is a rugby-wide initiative. When I first heard this, I was thinking, "Hang on, this is putting an awful lot of focus onto the onto the match official who's already got enough to to deal with." So it's great, and we'll put the link to the Rugby Smart and the um, New Zealand Safe Play initiative in the show notes for anyone who wants to um, look into that. Um, the RFU process here is called Headcase, which is a, an acronym for yeah. looking at, at various things. So I think all uh, wherever you're, you're listening to this, um, there's probably a version of that or some education that you can do to um, remind yourself about that. Um, so it's a really interesting process. Um, has it been? Is it being used? Um, and and has it worked? What do you think? Um, oh, it is absolutely being used um, in Wellington. We would probably have, you know, some weeks we probably might not have one. Um, other weeks we might have two or three. It just depends, oddly mm-hmm. enough, on it's just it's just pure fate. Um, I probably this year would have done twenty twenty five thereabouts games in Wellington where this applies to, um, I would have issued, I think I've issued two, two. blue cards. So, so it's, it's lot, not being abused. It, no, it's not being abused. And I think it's there's, there's a lot of things as well. You know, for instance, players are have a, you know adjusted very quickly to, you know, the high tackles really being a no-go zone. That, yeah, so I think it's, it's been really good that we've got buy-in from coaches, managers, players, that we are actually, um, we are stringent on these things and that the process has been brought into it. I think that's a really, it's a really good thing for the rugby community here that we are actually taking this seriously and somebody is making a decision actively to remove a player from, from play and that there is actually a documented process, which is managed by the union, by the way, um, that yeah, they receive a blue card, they receive the blue card report they then get the information from the player via their club as to yes, they have suffered a concussion, and then they're not, you know, they're not returning to play until the, the union has actually received that clear um, that information from a medical professional, say the person's clear. Yeah, and that, so I, I, was, I was I was going to check that. It's a, that that return to play element doesn't cause a comp doesn't cause a problem when the um, when the players are turning it to play and that the referee hasn't said this person hasn't been cleared to play and that bit is dealt by with the union it's not it's not a referee yeah. administration yeah. task no it's not a task on us it's a ta- you know the, the clubs like as they would if they play a player who should still be suspended under a red card they face you know there are penalties involved for that um, so that's that's how serious that it's being taken is look you know you can't just put a player you know, I've seen players who have really, been really frustrated that they can't get back on the field. Um, and they're, they're trying, and it's like, you know, you're probably doing the wrong thing by actually, you know, pushing yourself and stressing out about it because that's actually just might just exacerbate the issues because we don't actually know, you know, we still, our knowledge of, of concussions and what keeps, what keeps players off the field and slows down their recovery is still actually quite limited as well. So, um, I think, yeah, I think we've very... seen across the game there are lots of different studies yeah. going into lots of different elements of, of that. We've seen a, a case, um, the, the Aviva Premiership here in England um, have just launched a study through this season where they're going to look at a saliva test to see if that's going to show us anything medical. As people come off for a HIA, they're going to have a swab taken and that's going to be that data is going to be analysed separately by the medics to see what that biological things are telling us as well as the visual things that we're trying to recognise through the system. Yeah, lots of interesting that sounds, stuff. That, that's, that sounds very involved. I'll say that much. I'm I'm glad I'm not doing swab tests. Yeah, I say that's at the that's at the <laughs> uber elite 
professional end of the game. The vast majority yeah. of people listening to this is just um, you and 30 players, maybe a couple of extras on the side, uh, enjoying a, a, a weekend run around. Um, so uh, yeah. last question, I think, on this one. Um, obviously, this is just a trial. Um, how long does the trial last? Is it an open-ended one? Um, and is it going anywhere else, obviously, outside of the two unions that you've already mentioned? Um, so... It is, it is open-ended. At this point, it, there's no intention to, to, to stop using it. Um, and I think that's, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think that the only thing that would actually replace this is a, is a, is a, is a, is a better process. And again, that, nobody's really sure what that is because the next thing would obviously be looking at the HIA process. And as I've touched on, you know, there's just not the resource and community level. Um, Across the country, so all the um, so the fourteen unions in the Mitre Ten Cup, um, all those unions, the blue card process is compulsory. They have to we have to use it. Um, the twelve smaller unions that make up the the in the Heartland area, um, it's not compulsory for them, but they can choose to use it. So, and for instance, the two that are nearest me in Wellington, Horford, and Carpenter and Warwick Bush. Um, aren't using it this year, but they, I believe, they both intend to next year. So it's just, it's just sort of as a, as a gradual rollout. In Wellington, we use it at all levels of our um, adult rugby, so from our club premier competition all the way down to the club presidents grade, which are basically the old boys who roll out to play a bit of rugby, roll around in the mud, and then have some beers afterwards. Um, and also our very top first fifteen um, competition. So everything below everything below that at college level and all um, what we call junior rugby, so the the young age grade under thirteen all the way down to under six, it doesn't apply. The reasoning for that, my understanding, is that generally kids will have an adult who who, who actually is probably who, who can monitor in that in a, in a lot better way. And kids are. Yeah, you know, school kids will tend to listen to their parents, believe it or not. I'm told yeah. um, a lot more than say somebody who's a, a 25 year old adult who thinks they they know better. And so that's that's where the, that's where the differentiation is, is made and for why. And also, when you are getting down into our into our college grades, we're typically talking about some of our more inexperienced referees, our younger referees. Um, and it's, it's sometimes for them it can be a confidence issue around. Yeah, even issuing a yellow card, let alone a blue one. So, um, so there are some there are some practical reasons why we haven't applied it across all levels of our um, of our game in Wellington, um, but just to those just to the adult ones and, mm. and the top groups of that. Great. Well, that's been a really interesting walkthrough on this on on the blue card initiative. Um, obviously, the key message is player safety. Um, the vast majority of people that we're involved in, um, listeners to this podcast, wherever you might be listening to, it's about making sure that people go to work and have active family lives when they stop playing rugby. Um, it's about everyone being safe. So it's a really interesting initiative to follow. We'll keep our eyes on it. Um, we'll look forward to seeing the results of it um, when those um, trials conclude and what happens next. But Scott McLean from Wellington, thank you very much for joining us. No problem, Keith. Glad to be here. Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, we'd also um, 
ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, about this podcast. This is the only rugby referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments. So please let us have them. Um, you can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com um, or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyreferee.net, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over.